Good afternoon once again for our second service here today in Sardis. Uh, we, we, we like to welcome all the guests that are with us again this afternoon and all those that are on live feed. We hope that our worship may be edifying and pleasing to God. Consistory also has announcement that Lord's Supper will be celebrated next Sunday on the 2 p.m. service. And that is good. And we will welcome Pastor Tim to the pulpit. What a joy that we can worship our God once again this afternoon. Uh, please stand if you're able to uh, for our call to worship once again. Our sermon for uh, this second service is about all creation being uh, united under our great God and King. And so with that in mind, our call to worship comes from Psalm 67, uh, verses 4 to 5. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. As we gather to praise this great God and ruler, we come again confessing our dependence. Congregation, in whom is our help? Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. And the Lord greets us once again with his blessing from Scripture. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's sing together about our desire for God to rule over us and rule over uh, all the world with uh, the words of Psalm 67, stanzas 1 and 2.
Let's pray together, and we'll ask God for a blessing on our worship this afternoon. Let's pray. Awesome God and great heavenly King. Lord, thank you for this opportunity once again to worship you and to learn once again uh, from you today. Lord, we're about to read as your word being like seed. And as we read your word, we ask that you'll uh, sow it uh, deep into our hearts. We ask that you'll prepare our hearts and our minds uh, that we might be good and receptive soil uh, for your gospel. We ask that you'll pull out any weeds that might distract us, uh, that we'll be able to focus and pay attention to what you teach us in your word. We ask that you'll protect us from any trials that might scorch our faith. We ask that you'll remove any rocks that might prevent us from growing deeper and deeper into the love of Christ Jesus for us. We ask that you'll use this powerful seed of your word to give us new life in Christ and that you will make us produce fruit 30, 60, even 100 times what was sown. Lord, we know that we can't do any of this on our own, but your word is powerful and effective that it can cut even to our hearts. We ask that you will graciously and generously pour out your spirit on each of us so we might receive your holy word. We pray these things in Jesus' name alone. Amen. Our reading for this service comes from Mark chapter 4, uh, verses 26 to 32. Mark 4, beginning at verse 26. This is in connection with... uh, Lord's Day 48, which we'll read in a moment. And there uh, we get an explanation of what uh, Jesus taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come. So we'll read here about the kingdom of God and Jesus' teaching on it. In Mark 4, starting at verse 26. And he, that is Jesus, said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, and put its out large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. All right, thus far, God's word. Let's sing together once again in response another verse of Psalm 67, singing about God being our great uh, global king. Psalm 67, stanza 3.
Let's turn together to Lord's Day 48, uh, an explanation from Scripture of the second petition of the Lord's Prayer. Lord's Day 48. What is the second petition? Your kingdom come. That is, so rule us by your word and spirit that more and more we submit to you. Preserve and increase your church. Destroy the works of the devil, every power that raises itself against you and every conspiracy against your holy word. Do all this until the fullness of your kingdom comes, wherein you shall be all in all. This is our confession. Brothers and sisters, what do you think of the British monarchy? I know some people think that the royal family is uh, beautiful or entertaining. Uh, Some people love to keep up to date on what's going on there, and they'll even wake up really early in the morning or stay up really late at night uh, to watch coronations and royal weddings. Uh, Tens of millions of people actually watched Queen Elizabeth's funeral and King Charles' coronation. And some websites estimate that billions of people tuned in uh, when Prince Harry and Meghan Markle uh, got married a number of years ago. Though if I asked you, what do you think of the monarchy, I suspect many of you would say the same thing that I would say, which is, I don't. Uh, I don't think of the monarchy. Uh, The monarchy seems really unrelated to my life, really uh, the royal family seems very uh, distant, and uh, it has nothing to do with me. I think that's how we can often think of kingdoms or, or even nations. Uh, we can hear about things happening on the world scale, and they can just seem very far away from our lives, very disconnected from reality, because we don't see how they, how they really affect us day to day. Yet when Jesus Christ came down and walked on this, world, uh, on this earth, he taught us, his followers, to constantly, even daily, be praying about a kingdom, his kingdom. And we'll explore this afternoon what it means to pray with Jesus, Father, your kingdom come. And we'll see it in three parts. We'll see that we're praying for God to extend his rule. First of all, when I pray this, I'm praying that he'll extend his rule over me. Secondly, over us. And then thirdly, over all. But first of all, over me. And when we hear that, that should be surprising. Uh, Because as we already considered, uh, kings and kingdoms seem like huge, massive, and far-off things. And that's just human kingdoms. But picture in your mind for a second, God's kingdom. What could be bigger and seemingly less personal than God's own kingdom? God is the creator and ruler of the whole world, of the entire universe. God is enthroned in heaven itself. Isn't everything God's kingdom? And every time we pray, Father, your kingdom come, we're first of all praying something deeply, deeply personal. And that's because Jesus obviously isn't telling us to pray that God might become king. Would it make any sense if Jesus told us to pray, God might become king? In a very real sense, God is and always has been king of the universe. Instead, Jesus is telling us to pray that more and more people might recognize and love God as king. 
that they might know God and love him and personally enthrone Jesus Christ in their hearts. In order to understand this prayer, we need to quickly look back to the very beginning of the Bible, as we so often do. In the beginning, God created a kingdom for himself, in a sense. He had his people, Adam and Eve, living in his place, the Garden of Eden, under his rule and blessing. It was God's beautiful, perfect little kingdom. Adam and Eve in his presence in the garden, living in harmony with him. And yet Adam and Eve, tempted by the devil, dethroned God, in a sense. Of course, they didn't literally dethrone God. What an absurd picture. How could they? Uh, they, In their hearts, rather, they rejected him as king. They dethroned him in here. And when they did this, God didn't cease to be king, really. But in a sense, he did. One theologian explains it this way. He says, A man can no more diminish God's glory by refusing to worship him than a lunatic can put out the sun by scribbling the word darkness on the walls of his cell. In a sense, that's what Adam and Eve and humanity did. They tried to reject a God as their ruler. And that's what Jesus has in mind here. He sees people like us who have by nature rejected the Father as their king. They've rejected the king of the universe. And Jesus wants them to enthrone God in their hearts once again. And so he teaches us, you go to God in prayer and you pray, Father, your kingdom come. And when you pray it, you first of all think, your kingdom come right in here. Expand your rule and expand it, first of all, with me. He wants us to acknowledge God as the good and gracious king that he is. He wants us to say, I want you to be my God and I want to be one of your people again. I want to live in your place under your rule and blessing as I was created to be. And if you look at the Gospels, you'll see this was on Jesus' heart throughout his ministry. At the very beginning of his ministry, Jesus began to preach, and his message is summarized as repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. God called people to repent, to turn from their sins back to him, to stop trying to be their own kings and rulers, to stop blindly following the prince of darkness, but turn back to the light and come into God's kingdom once again before it's too late. Because Christ will return, and then he will wipe the world clean. And once again, this is the trajectory of the whole Bible, once again, God's kingdom will have his perfect kingdom once again. He'll have his restored people in his restored place with his rule and blessing. And this idea, we need to realize, is extremely off-putting to people, the idea of Jesus as a king. I wonder if it's off-putting to you uh, this afternoon. One pastor explained, he's had countless times where people who are interested in Christianity, uh, they come up to him and they ask him the same question, a kind of question that really starts to drive him crazy. They ask him, if I become a Christian, can I still do this? Can I still do that and be a Christian? And this pastor, he says it drives him crazy because really that's not how it works at all. Jesus Christ came claiming to be the king of the universe. Wrap your minds around that. The king of all things. And he either is or he isn't. There's no negotiating here. Saying, okay, Jesus can be my king as long as I can still do this. No, the option is, if Jesus is king, we can bow down and worship him. And we can read his scriptures, and we can say to Jesus, you know what, I trust you. I believe you are the king. I'm going to seek to serve you however you see fit. 
And as we study the scriptures, we'll see that Jesus really is king, sent to bring us back to God, back into God's kingdom. And we'll begin to see more and more that is extremely good news. It is a huge relief that Jesus is king, and that I'm not, and that you're not, and that no one else is. Because as we read the pages of scripture, we start to see that Jesus is a king like no other king. Think for a minute, what kind of king is Jesus? Jesus is holy, and he's righteous, and he's just. He's powerful, the one through whom all things were created. He's the word of God. And yet, he's indescribably humble. He's incredibly kind and gentle. He's so loving and loyal to his subjects, to you and me, that this great king came down and laid down his life to save us, his subjects. That is our king. He loves his people sincerely and deeply. And he's sworn to defeat all their enemies at his own expense. He gives us good laws in his word and even gives his spirit to work in our hearts to begin to help us live in the way we ought to be living. And as we come to know King Jesus more and more, we come to realize this king knows deep inside our souls better than we know. And he loves us anyway. In fact, he loves us more than we love ourselves. What a king. And so we come to Jesus and he teaches us to pray, Father, your kingdom come. That is totally rule me, Lord. Rule me through your king, Jesus Christ. That's our prayer, that Jesus might take his throne back, that he might rule us all, that he might rule every word and every deed and every thought. And we realize we fall so short of this. But what's beautiful is how Lord's Day 48, we just read it, summarizes the meaning of this prayer. It's that God, it's that Jesus Christ might rule our hearts more and more. Jesus knows our weakness. He knew when he came. And the prayer is that he might rule us more and more. There will still be so many shortcomings, so many failings. Our thoughts and words and deeds will be so far from where they ought to be under such a king. And we long to be perfect, but for now our prayer is more and more. Jesus rule me. Jesus transform my heart more than last year. Better than last year, please. More than last week, more than this morning, Lord. I let you down in so many ways this morning, more and more. So first of all, your kingdom come, the great king of the universe. This is a deeply personal prayer. But it's not only a personal prayer. It's not just praying that the Lord will rule over you, but also that he'll rule over us. And that's our second point. Often I think we don't pay enough attention to the fact that the the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught us, it's actually a corporate prayer. How does the Lord's Prayer that so many of us are familiar with, how does it start? It starts with, Our Father. Our Father. It it includes your family, if you're praying with your family. That's how I typically pray the uh, Lord's Prayer. Often when I think of it, I'm just thinking about myself, but I should be thinking of the whole group, our Father who is in heaven. And Lord's Day 48 uh, captures this beautifully. It says that we're praying, rule us by your word and spirit so that more and more we submit to you. So Jesus teaches us to pray, not only be my king, but in our family setting, be our king. Or in our church setting, we're praying, be all of our king. 
May your kingdom come more and more in this household or in this church. All of us here today, as we pray this prayer with Jesus, your kingdom come. We're praying he'll make us all submit to him. He'll enthrone himself on all of our hearts. And that he'll bring his kingdom here more and more and make us more loyal subjects to one another and to him. And specifically, we pray that God might preserve and increase his church. That is, that God, having claimed us and freed us, he might protect us. And more than just protecting us, that he might make us and our families and our church grow into his rule. And we need to think not just of growing in numbers, though certainly that too, but think of each and every one of us. We're praying that we would all grow in faith, that we would all grow in love and in holiness and in unity, and also, of course, in numbers as well. That more people would be saved from the kingdom of darkness and brought into King Jesus' glorious light. And our scripture reading from Mark gives us a couple wonderful clues about how this kingdom growth works. How does God, just think about it for a minute, how does God have his huge, powerful kingdom grow? It's clearly uh, something that's a little bit hard to sum up, hard to wrap our minds around. Jesus begins our second parable that we read by saying, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? And that clues us in. It doesn't look like any other kingdom or monarchy we've ever seen of or ever heard before. And notice, be fascinated by what Jesus does describe the kingdom of God with. He says, first of all, it's like seed scattered on the ground. Scattered, then the sower, he sleeps and he rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He doesn't know how but it does. And the next, Jesus describes God's great kingdom, his vast kingdom, like a tiny mustard seed, only a millimeter or two long. But this seed, when it comes to life and grows, it becomes larger than any other plant in the garden and puts out large branches that animals can find shelter in. And that's how God's great kingdom comes. When we pray, your kingdom come, we need to realize that the way that God typically answers our prayer is actually through us. And we can rejoice to hear that the way he answers it through us is ordinarily a lot like these parables. It's through ordinary, small, seemingly insignificant, yet faithful service. This is a prayer that God might use us so that people might more and more submit to Christ as king and throne him in their hearts. So when we pray, thy kingdom come, we pray that God might help us raise our children in a way that brings them to love and serve Christ the King. We pray that he might help us serve him in a way that we shine as a light in the world and that we might show Christ-like love to anyone like we heard about in the sermon earlier today, that people might grow in their knowledge and their devotion to Christ and his church. And it's very good news that this is how Christ works through ordinary faithful service. Uh, R.C. Sproul, on a sermon in this passage, he explains that even though he had a great, uh, a huge uh, ministry that we know of, but he explains that this is how he experienced God working primarily in his life. Not through huge, massive changes, but through ordinary sowing of just tiny little seeds that he finds out years later God caused huge growth from. He told the story of a man uh, that came up to him one Sunday, and he said, 15 years ago, you preached this sermon. And after that sermon, 
I asked you this question, and after that question, you gave me this answer, and that answer changed my life. That answer made me devoted to Christ. That answer made me go into the ministry. And R.C. Sproul, he said that this was humbling, and this was kind of scary. To think that that is how God can work. This little answer that R.C. Sproul, he didn't remember talking to this man. He didn't remember the answer that he had given. But yet, it was a little seed. And God got to work. And God had done huge things through that little bit of faithfulness. And this is an encouraging truth for us as well. It's encouraging for me. I hope it is for you too. Isn't this an encouraging truth for tired parents or tired employees or employers and tired students and teachers and tired office bearers and every other Christian that this is how God ordinarily works. This is how he grows his kingdom tremendously through small, ordinary, faithful service, little seeds thrown out. Prayerfully, God helping us every day to to do our best to sow these tiny little seeds and then at the end of every day, leave it with Christ. Go to sleep, he says. Go to sleep. Wake up. Trust that God knows what he's doing. That God will give the growth and the growth in some instances will be huge, like from a tiny mustard seed to the biggest plant in the garden. That's what Paul, we know, did on his missionary journeys. Paul, he tells us he wasn't impressive, he wasn't eloquent, but he went around faithfully sowing the seed. He says Apollos went around and he watered the seed, but God was the one giving the growth. And the kingdom of God, just think about it. After the life of Jesus, it started out with just a few apostles. And through those apostles sowing the seed, it grew and grew and grew to where it is today. Faithful churches praising, worshiping God all around the world. And soon, when Christ returns, we'll be singing with a crowd of saints that no one can number. Because that is how God expands his kingdom. And he's pleased to do it through us. And our little sowing of little seeds. And that's what we pray. That God might use us all day, every day, to bring more and more people, just through faithful service, to willingly submit to him as king. And in fact, we won't stop praying this prayer. We won't be happy, fully content, until everyone and everything does submit to Christ as King. We're about to sing this at the end of our service. Our prayer is, Lord, let every creature rise and bring the highest honors to the King. When you pray, Lord, your kingdom come, you're seeking not just his total rule over you, and not just his total rule over us, but his total rule over all. And that is our final point. Jesus teaches us to pray that God's name might be praised and honored on all of the earth. We pray that the devil's kingdom might be no more and that once again, we would be God's people living in God's place, all the earth worshiping and being ruled and being blessed by our God. The word uh, the catechism uses uh, about uh, the devil's kingdom and the devil's work is saying that we're praying that the Father would destroy the works of the devil and every power that raises itself against you and every conspiracy against your holy word. The word destroy, which is demolish or devastate or overthrow. And this sounds like strong language, but the catechism only uses it because it's exactly the word of, that scripture uses. We read in 1 John 3 verse 8, the reason the Son of God appeared, and you can think of so many things you could fill in there. What was the reason the Son of God appeared? But we read in 1 John 3 verse 8, the reason the Son of God appeared 
was to destroy the works of the devil. And when we think just for a moment about the works of the devil, we'll start to understand why that's Christ, why Christ came. Uh, we read that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, looking to devour the weak. We read about how he seeks to infiltrate the church. Uh, his desire is to separate us from our God and King. He wants us to turn our back on Jesus Christ. He wants to make our friends and children turn on him. He wants us to believe one of his lies, that we're too sinful, that God isn't merciful enough, that Jesus isn't loving enough, that his death isn't good enough, that our good and gracious king is actually a liar, that he's not good and gracious, and he doesn't love us, and he doesn't want what's best for us. Satan wants us to believe that we would be better off if we turned our backs on Christ again and tried to frantically rule ourselves. But we pray that God would once again rule over all. Destroy the kingdom of the devil. Destroy the kingdom of the world. Let us come back to the God that now we love once again. Already now we'll pray that he'll be made king and that he'll destroy and devastate the works of the devil in our hearts and in our families and churches and neighborhoods until he does come and rules the whole world once again as well. And there's very good news because Jesus is the king who's on our side and so that means that we know exactly how the story ends. Uh, I once heard from a pastor uh, who said that in his seminary they had a class where they studied the contents of every book of the Bible. And it was the final class of the year and they hadn't gotten to Revelation yet. They ran out of time. And so a student asked the professor, uh, sir, what about Revelation? And so the professor said, okay, you want to know what Revelation is all about? I'll tell you. Jesus wins. That's the end of the book. That motivates us to keep going with our faithful service, our sowing of little seeds, our tiny little seeds each day, leaving the growth to God, and sleeping soundly knowing, you know what? Jesus wins. Your sin, it was defeated on the cross once away, and it will be washed away forever. Jesus is and he will be the ultimate king of your heart for you and me and all who believe in him. He is and will be the perfect king of the church. And he'll prevent us to, present us to the Father as his pure, spotless bride. We will be his people in his place, under his rule and blessing once again for all of eternity. And there will be no more sorrow, no more mourning or pain. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. We know this will happen because Jesus is our king. And so I want to finish this sermon with just a few lines uh, from an extremely famous sermon. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called, That's My King. That's my king. The Bible says he's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. Now that's my king. David says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. That's my king. He's God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He guards and he guides. 
He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. Do you know him? That's my king. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. I'm trying to tell you the heaven of heavens cannot contain him, let alone a man explain him. You can't get him out of your head. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him. You can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. He always has been. He always will be. He had no predecessor. He'll have no successor. Successor. There's nobody before him. There'll be nobody after him. That's my king. Praise the Lord. That's my king. Thine is the power and the glory uh, forever and ever and ever. And when you get through with all of the forevers. Amen. Let's sing together in response. Hymn 44. Stanzas 1, 2, 3, and 5.
Now let's profess our Catholic, undoubted Christian faith as we have it summarized in the Apostles' Creed and put to music for us in hymn one. again come before our Heavenly Father in prayer. Let's pray together. Great God and great Father and great King, Lord, we pray that your kingdom will come. We pray first of all that it will come over us each as individuals and then also over our families and our church and ultimately that it will extend once again all over the world. Lord, we're so thankful to have you as our king, you ruling over us through your son, King Jesus. Lord, we're so thankful that you're reestablishing your kingdom and that you've called us, you've invited us, you've welcomed us back in. Although we were thrown out, it was our own fault. Nevertheless, you didn't leave us on the outside looking in. But nevertheless, instead, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to ransom us so you might rule over us once again. Lord, we pray that you'll give us wisdom as we seek to enthrone you in every part of our lives. Lord, we ask that you'll give us uh, wisdom to enthrone you, to serve you and worship you and understand you, first of all, uh, as a church. Lord, we ask that you'll bless our corporate worship today and uh, each Sunday again. Lord, we ask that it might be uh, pleasing in your eyes and that we might always put you uh, first and foremost. Help us to just have a deep love and devotion for your word. A deep, and lo- a deep love and devotion to prayer, to coming before you, casting all of our anxieties and cares upon you. Help us to love coming to worship you each Lord's Day again. Help it to be a highlight of our week because we get to praise you, our awesome King. And Lord, please ask, we also ask that you might, by your grace, make our worship always beneficial for us as well. Continue to teach us and instruct us and guide us. 
We ask that you'll do this in our worship services as a church, but we also ask that you'll bless us as individuals, and you'll bless our family worship as well. Lord, please help us to make you a priority uh, every day, every moment of every day. May we be people like the Apostle Paul tells us, people who are um, characterized by thankfulness, people who are characterized by praying continually. May we always be coming back to you to learn from you and to, to speak with you and to, to seek to understand you more and more. May our family worship and our individual worship also be powerful. Uh, may you make it transformative for us, but most of all, may it be pleasing to you. Uh, Lord, may you please continue to bless all the, the families that we have in our church. Uh, bless the parents and the grandparents who are among us. Uh, Lord, give them wisdom as they seek to guide their children and their grandchildren, their families, in the way that they should go. Help it to be their passion to um, be an example uh, to those who are younger than them. May they uh, speak highly of you. May they speak highly of Jesus Christ, and may they adorn the gospel with their lives. May that be true uh, for all of us, uh, whether old or young or married or unmarried. Grant us all wisdom to uh, realistically, reasonably obsess uh, our part in life, our portion, uh, where you've put us, where you've determined our place and our number of days. Uh, Lord, show us how we can all work uh, for and in your kingdom. Show us where we can sow tiny seeds of the gospel. And Lord, thank you so much that at the end of the day, uh, no matter how many seeds we've sown, no matter how well or how poorly we've done, always we can end the day going back to Jesus Christ. Uh, casting all of our good deeds and all of our bad deeds at the foot of the cross, uh, basking and resting in his forgiveness, going to sleep, sleeping soundly, trusting that you are the God who provides the growth. Lord, thank you for kingdom growth all over the world. Thank you that we can hear about the great work that you're doing in so many churches, churches close to home. Uh, you're working in the hearts of individuals, making them grow in love and faith and holiness. Continue to work in our hearts. But Lord, thank you for your work all around the world. We hear about how you're working par powerfully even in countries undergoing persecution. And Lord, we praise you for that. Lord, we're so thankful you didn't leave it on our shoulders. What could we possibly do? But no, you are the one who is defending and preserving and increasing your kingdom. Lord, give us eyes to see and, and hearts to desire to, to join you in your work, wherever you're doing it, however you're doing it, that we might have opportunities to to sow these little seeds and to see you enthroned in other people's hearts, but also more and more in our hearts as well. We pray these things only in Jesus' name alone. Amen. In our worship services, uh, we have the opportunity to give our gifts to the Lord. And once again, our collection this service is for the Middle East Reformed Fellowship. Then after the collection, please stand with me if you're able to, and we'll sing together in closing uh, all three stanzas of Hymn 45.
sisters, lift up your hearts to the Lord and go home in peace. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.